All righty. Good to see you all today. Thanks for coming. I love you dearly. I'm, I'm so blessed by Christian fellowship and, and, and yours. And so good to be together, right? Makes me want to sing. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. Because sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't, right? And some of you are going, I, okay. And maybe if you're younger, you're like, he is a nut. Like I never, what, what? How many of you remember that song, that commercial, that jingle? All right, good amount out there, right? That uh, I remember it coming out. I, I, that one, I, probably in the 70s. I remember I'm, you know, I picture myself at the time serving newspapers, you know. And, uh, and I remember when it came out. In the commercial, just like it would be Reese's Cups and Hershey's Bar, they would say, the Peter Paul Almond Joy, the Peter Paul Mounds Bar. Uh, they were made by the, the, the Peter Paul Company. And I remember at that time, you know, uh, whatever I was, 11, thinking, Peter, what was it, a religious company? Peter, Peter Paul, are they named after like the Peter and Paul? I, I thought, like, it was Peter and Paul and Mary. Did they come out with a candy bar? And I had a friend who said, you know what I heard? It's Peter from the monkeys and Paul from the Beatles, and they made a, they made a candy bar together. And, I, I got, you know, I've told people that. No, no, I heard this. And, you know, fake news has been around a long time, and I was spreading it back then about, you know, the, 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 the Peter, Paul, Almond Joy, right? It's, it's interesting sometimes to read about companies and how they grow, and, and, and I did. I, look, I looked up the Peter Paul Company. It began in 1919. guy's name was Peter Paul, uh, and, and he had a few others with him, but he started the company, and they had one candy bar. Little, you know, got tough times, but they, 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 they made it through. You know, dur- during the, the Depression, they survived. You know, they made it through. Uh, they had lean times, right? But then they had explosive growth. By the Second World War, the United States government was, was buying five million of their candy bars per month for our army. 80% of their sales was going to the United States Army, right? And then, you know, I, I didn't particularly like their candy bars, Almond Joy and Mounds. They were, you know, they were filled with coconut. I don't like coconut, so. But the commercial would have that nice chocolate dripping on top. I always thought, just get rid of the coconut. You'd have something, you know, good there, right? But then they, as they grew as a company, they, they purchased York peppermint patties. That was a good, that was a good move. That was a, that's, a, that's a keeper, a York peppermint patty. They added them to their family, right? Until eventually, like a lot of other companies, they got bought by Hershey's, I think, in the late 80s, right? Why am I talking about, you know, candy, uh, other than it's part of my life, right? Is I, I, I bring up their story because we've spent a few weeks talking about Paul and his conversion to Christianity, his coming to Christ. But the story of Jesus Christ and the church doesn't begin with Paul, right? It begins with Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became man in the flesh. He presented himself as the Savior, the Messiah, the God in the flesh. He declared salvation and forgiveness of sins in him. He performed miracles to testify that's who he was. Ultimately, he said, I'm going to die on the cross as a, as a payment for sin as the atonement. And he did. He was crucified, buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. And he was followed by a small band of people, right? Really, at the time, 
Peter was the leader, and at Pentecost, the church grew and began, and off it went, and of course, Paul was seeking to silence it. Today, we're going to read about when Peter and Paul finally come together in the company, right? In the company of Jesus. We're going to see that, and we're going to see that they came through some difficult times, the church. It had some explosive growth. We'll see that in the weeks ahead through the Apostle Paul's ministry. And ultimately, that company of Jesus' followers became what? Peter, Paul, and me, (laughs) and you, if you've put your faith in Jesus. And so we want to look at that today, that meeting of Peter and Paul, and really what's happening in Paul's life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege to gather in this free country. We, We still are so grateful And we thank you that we can proclaim your truth. I thank you for these lives here in this room, those watching online who have chosen to prioritize uh, being together around your word. And so we know it will be profitable through your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to pick up where we left off with last week, the Apostle Paul being a, 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 a new witness for Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 22, we read, but Saul, Saul, Paul, same person, right? There's, Jesus doesn't say, your name was Saul, and now I'm going to call you Paul, like he did with Peter. Uh, Paul chose to use his name, because many people think the name Paul, it means little, and he just wanted that to what he was known as, I am little you know, Christ is big, but he could use either name. He could use either name. Anyhow, Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket last week we saw saw a flight you know being in that passage verse 26 and when he had come to Jerusalem he was trying to associate with the disciples and they were all afraid of him not believing that he was a disciple but Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Uh, As the body of Christ continues to grow, right? What does he want? He wants us to be growing in it. One of the fascinating items in the history of the Peter Paul Company is during the Depression, they decided to make their candy bar bigger and and sell it for the same price. And it really helped get them through the Depression. their, their, Their sales went up because they gave more product for the same amount of money, right? You know, we, 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 we don't see that happening a lot today, right? With our candy, it seems to be getting smaller. Right, and it is. I was reading about Reese's cups when I was a kid. Those two standard Reese's cups were nine tenths of an ounce. Then they became eight tenths of an ounce. 
Seven and a half tenths of an ounce. I think that's what's being sold today, although I read an article that says they're going to go down to almost five tenths because of inflation to, you know, to, you know but, but they get smaller, but they don't lower the price, right? I mean, they come out with creative marketing ways, the giant and the minis and all, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, imagine if you, if that's the way it did work, imagine if you went shopping. And as you're shopping, as you're putting items in your shopping cart, they're getting bigger as you're going to the counter. And so you put a pound of meat in your shopping cart, but by the time you got to the counter, it's a pound and a half. You put the seven and a half ounce Reese's cups in there, but they're back to being, you know, well, not seven and a half ounce, 0.75. But anyhow, they're bigger when they get to the counter, right? That's what the church is supposed to be, if I could use that illustration. It's supposed to be that, in essence, God is moving on building his church and he's adding lives into the cart, right? But as he is, those lives in the cart are growing while they're in the cart. That the church is not only growing in numbers, but those lives are getting, in essence, bigger or deeper or, or, or more mature in Christ while we're adding more and more into the cart, right? That's the picture of what God wants to do as the church grows, the lives themselves are to be growing. And so when I, we look at Paul today, I want us to see three glimpses that we see of him that help us to see that's God's process. God's using these things for us to be growing while the church is adding other lives, we're growing in the midst of it. The first glimpse is Paul alone. And you may say, when was Paul alone in the passage that you just read? Well, if you look at verse 23, we read, and when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. That is, with Paul, right? They want to kill him. If you hold your place in Acts 9, or, you know, it may be harder to do with a, a phone or whatever, but it, 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 one of the good passages in your Bible to have open when you're looking at Acts 9, at least, is Galatians 1, because Luke is writing the book of Acts, telling us what is happening, and he's sharing a story, but he's not saying, and then the next day we did this, and the next day we did that. It's not, it's not necessarily everything included. Paul fills in some of the information himself. In Galatians chapter 1, what does he say in verse 17? When I first got saved, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I didn't go up right away, and that week I met the apostle Peter, right? No. He says, I didn't go up. I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Three years later, verse 18, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that is with Peter. So he's telling us there was this time period. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on the book of Acts, says this. Most interpreters believe that this three years period in Arabia and Damascus came in between verses 22 and 23 of Acts chapter 9. So you're not going to be tested in our church history class about this, but it's valuable for us to stop and realize Luke is telling a story and he's focused on what's happening with Paul but the reality is there's a three-year gap. There's a three-year period that occurs when God does what? He puts Paul in seclusion. He, he sends him away to be alone. 
Chuck Swindoll says, for three years, Saul lived in the Arabian wilderness desert, cut off from his former manner of life in solitude, in quietness. If maple shade were Jerusalem, roughly speaking, roughly speaking, any cartographers out there, you know, roughly speaking, if we were Jerusalem, if, if you wanted to go up to Capernaum, that's about us to Newark. So it's like basically leaving Maple Shade and going up to Newark. You've gone from Jerusalem up to the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum there. If you then wanted to head to Damascus, you're kind of cutting off to the right, right? You're going up there through New York City and you're gonna come to kind of basically almost the border of Connecticut and New York. That would be Damascus, right? So we know Saul was in Jerusalem. He left to go get the Christians. He probably took that route up to Capernaum and then over. But now we read he's, he's gone to the Arabian Desert. He's in Cape May. Not really in Cape May, right? But basically, if you picture where Cape May is compared to what I just explained to you, he's come all the way back down by the Dead Sea, and he's in Arabia. Those of you who are going to Israel, you're going to, those places are going to, you're going to, oh, Jerusalem, Capernaum, you know, the, the Dead Sea. Those are going to be things that you, that you see, right? Charles Ryrie says, in Arabia, Paul was alone with God, thinking through the implications of his encounter with the risen Christ. The point of, of taking a glimpse and seeing that is, is the first element that's so essential to our getting bigger when we're in God's shopping cart, right? To our growth. And it's at the heart of God's process of growing disciples is spending time alone with Jesus. It just is. That, that we, us sitting with him and his word and letting and, and, and conversing with him, growing with him. When Jesus called his disciples, Mark tells us about that in Mark chapter three, and he makes it very clear what is the key to being a disciple, because he writes these words in Mark chapter three and verse 13, and Jesus went up to the mountain and summoned those who he himself wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach. 12, that they might what? That they might be with him. At the heart of discipleship was Jesus saying, look, you guys, come on, follow me. We're gonna eat together, we're gonna drink together, we're gonna walk together, we're gonna tell stories together. We're, we're, we are go you are going to spend time with me. Sit alone with him. One writer says this, Paul moves to Arabia, a place that was remote and removed. We need such times as well. We don't need to literally go to Arabia, but we do need to go to our personal Arabia. We need to find ways to slow down and focus on the Lord, right? What, what, what does the psalmist say in Psalm 62? He's talking to himself, right? 62 in verse five, he says this, my soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the secret place of the most high, right? Shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. Sit down, right? Sit and, 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 and find some time to be alone with God. Before I was the, the uh, ever, you know, a pastor at all, I was working in sales 
for a company called Transorap. Uh, my dad had been the general manager for 25 years. He had not that position for 25 years, but he attained, reached that level. My brother Dan was working there. My brother Leo had been a salesman. And uh, I was working in inside sales, which was great because, you know, it meant that every day, you know, for lunch, I could go to my own little personal Arabia with my Bible and, and, and sit with Jesus. Now, my personal Arabia was right off a of state road, right? That's where we were as a company. Any of you ever been in the Chamonix, uh, you know, state park? It wasn't there. It's a beautiful place, right? But if you come south on State Road, below Street Road, coming across, there's business park, industrial parks there along the Delaware, right? And Kamer Drive was our street. We, you know, a lot of businesses there, a lot of, you know, you know uh, just large, you know, docks and, and tractor trailers, loading and unloading. And, and at the very end, it was a dead end. At the end of the place, was a beautiful place. Now, when I say beautiful, there was three or four dumpsters there. There was trash everywhere. People clearly always would come there at nighttime and dump their sofas and, and refrigerators and all sorts of things. And so the end of Kamer Drive, at least, was kind of pretty, if, if, if I'm remembering right, it, was, it, was not, it didn't smell great and it wasn't a great place to be. But if you were willing to walk just past the dumpsters, there were all those giant rocks that they used to kind of hold the bank, the river bank, right? Not, it's not a developed really part of the Delaware, but I would climb down those rocks and I would sit on a rock right near the Delaware River there, right? And it didn't matter to me that tractor trailers were right up there and, and the dumpsters. I was sitting on the Jordan River and every day at lunch, me and Jesus, and I just said, Lord, wow. Let me, let, me, let me read your, what, what, some of the beautiful things you did and things you're saying. Talk, you know, speak to me. Just to be, we, we need that. I know you may say, oh, oh really? Look at my, you tell me where that fits in my schedule, <laughs> right? My kids are getting me up at, at you know, 5.30 a.m. I'm, I'm, I'm working all day. I'm doing all this. By the time that they're finally in bed, I'm exhausted. And I get it. I get it. But we need it. We're well aware that uh, as wonderful it is, and we're going to see how we need this time as a church together. But as wonderful as that is, we can't, we're going to lose weight if we only eat one meal a week, right? And you're going to lose weight spiritually if, if we just don't have that time with, with Jesus. I appreciate my brother Tom, Wednesday night, our Wednesday night live, if you watched us or if you've been here, we have different segments. We, missionary emphasis, a Bible trivia time, we're sharing the word of God, but Tom's been focusing on little segments on intentional prayer, praying for marriages in our church, praying for our youth, but this Wednesday night he was talking about just reflect and sit quiet. Pr pr almost pray for those times that God would give you where you get to see this is the ancient of days that I'm sitting with here, right? Sometimes for me it happens when I'm in the car. You know, you're, I, I got to go somewhere and I hop in the car and immediately as soon as I start it, the radio's on. I'm listening to, you know, very highly intelligent Philadelphia Eagles fans on WIP. I, I'm sarcastic because most of them don't. Well, anyhow, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But, but, but uh, you know, but sometimes it's almost like the Lord says to me, just shut the radio off. Vince, you got 12 minutes before here and where you're gonna go. You know, stay off of people's tails. Don't worry about who cut in front of you. Just spend the next 12 minutes driving quietly. Lord, 
here are some of my favorite verses of scripture and quote them from your mind. Or, Lord, here, here's what's discouraging me. Lord, here, here's what's on my heart. Find those moments where it's just you and Jesus. Jesus did, very beginning of Mark's gospel. Mark doesn't begin like Matthew and Luke with, with uh, you know, the birth of Jesus. He begins with the ministry of Jesus. But what does he say in Mark 1.35? And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Jesus needed to be alone with his Father. Paul needed to be alone with Jesus. We do too. Would it be great if everybody that gets saved gets a three-year vacation? Sure, it would be. (laughs) But that's not how it happens, right? But God had a specific ministry for Saul and set him aside for three years, right, to be with Jesus. He needed to be with him. Besides needing to be with Jesus, there's a second glimpse we get, and that's Paul surrounded. We see Paul going from being with Jesus to Paul being surrounded with other believers. Right there in verse 26, we saw, and when he had come to Jerusalem, right? Paul comes back to Jerusalem. Remember how he left, right? This is Saul, the former persecutor of the church, coming back to Jerusalem. But it's three years later, in case you never realized that. Paul is saved for three years before he ever meets the apostle Peter, right? The company of Jesus at that moment is being led by Peter. <laughs> it's going to be Peter and Paul soon, but, but at this moment, right, it's being led by Peter. Certainly the others, James and John, but, but Peter being the, 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 the spokesperson. Imagine when Paul arrives back into Jerusalem. He was born in Tarsus. We know that. He's a Roman citizen. But Paul came to Jerusalem as a young boy. He studied under Gamaliel. It's been, you know, it's been his heart. Like some of you might say, oh, well, I was, you know, I was born in Newark, but I, we moved to, you know, this area, you know, when I was four and I was raised here. Like Paul spent a lot of his life in Jerusalem. It was his city almost. He, he became a Pharisee of Pharisees. Everybody who was important knew who he was. And he left three years ago to go get the Christians and arrest them and bring them back. And now he's coming back. I was born and raised here in Maple Shade, New Jersey, right? In a couple weeks, I'll be 62. That blows my mind, but I will be, right? And uh, for all those 62 years, I think the longest period of time that I haven't physically been in Maple Shade for at least... Uh, you know, some moments, is a 10-week period. The summer of 1981, I was a student at Philadelphia College of Bible, and I was on their sports camping team where we would go to different Christian camps and do sports clinics and, you know, represent the college. And, and, and uh, 10 weeks that summer, right? And, and, and I, you know, I, I think I might have come home for a wedding or, you know, <laughs> that kind of, But really, it was, I remember coming back into town for me, Right? Some of you haven't been in your hometown for who knows how long, but for me to come back, wow, wow, you know, as if, as if things have really changed here in, in Maple Shade and, and the, you know, those weeks that I was gone. Imagine for Saul, Paul, he's coming back three years later. He knows the Jews that know him well hate him. 
but he doesn't know how he's gonna be accepted by the Christians, right? Paul had spent valuable time alone with Jesus. Now he needs valuable time with the church that he's been persecuting. The problem is this, nobody in Jerusalem has gotten a vision from God like Ananias did. Remember last week we saw Ananias gets a vision. God says, Ananias, I want you to go lay your hands on Saul. And he's going, Saul, what are you crazy? He's come to kill us. No, he's one of mine now. Nobody gets that vision in Jerusalem. And so when he comes, they're all, well, we've heard things over the last few years, but who knows what he's really trying to do. And yet Barnabas is one of the ones who's willing to listen to him. Barnabas listens to Paul's story, believes that God has changed his life. And we read in verse 27 that Barnabas takes hold of him and says, hey, this, listen everybody, this is one of ours. He's a follower of Christ. Love this guy. Let God give you great fellowship with him. And indeed, that's what happens. And indeed, we know that what? That's where he meets Peter. We read there in verse 28 when he sa- it says he was, he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem. Again, if you kind of compare it to Galatians chapter 1, he tells us, What happens there when he says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 18, then three years later I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that is Peter, and I stayed there for 15 days. We now have Peter and Paul in the company of Jesus, right? They're now together. Think about that. Think about what they share together Right, this, 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 um, this amazing joining together is P- Paul is now saying, you guys, they tried to kill me. I, I, got, I was preaching the gospel and Peter's going, yeah, we know, you were trying to kill us, right? We, 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 we understand, we've been there, right? And we've seen the resurrected Jesus. And you remember in the book of Acts chapter two, when, when Pentecost occurs and we read that they were this early, this new church, Peter and company were having great fellowship, listening to the apostles, teaching, singing together, sharing the Lord's table. They were growing and in and, and all. What was happening at that time? Saul was trying to silence them and cut them off. Now he's been brought into the cart. Now he's part of the company, Right? He's, he's in it together with them. That's why we get so excited when the writer to the Hebrews reminds us, right? In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, don't be forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's he saying? There is such great value in being together with other Christians, growing together sharing together, learning together, rejoicing together, iron sharpening iron. I love when we sing that song, you are not alone if you are lonely. When you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and free. It's all you got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. And all the people said, amen. That sense of we are in this together. Sure, there's going to be people out there who, who mock or who are, are, are striving against the, the gospel. But hey, that's why there's such value in coming together and seeing one another and saying, hey, we are in this together. I need you. Right? I, I, that, that, that oneness that we share 
We see a glimpse of Paul alone. We see a glimpse of Paul surrounded. They're both essential. We need to be spending time. Lord, speak to me. Lord, I, want, I just want to cry to you right now. Lord, I just, I have questions. Time with the Lord growing. We need time in the body. But there's a third way we see Paul, and that is Paul unseen. And you may say, how do you see Paul unseen? Well, for my purpose, we see it in verse 29 of Acts 9. Because in verse 29, we read this. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death again now. They tried to kill him in Damascus. They're trying to kill him again. Verse 30, but when the brethren heard of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So they say, Paul, we're going to send you away again for your own well-being. We're sending you to your hometown all the way up to Tarsus. And the next time we read of Paul, it's Two chapters later, right, in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 and verse 25, God's doing a great work in Antioch. Antioch is growing. It's going to become like the center of church hotbed activity. And uh, Barnabas is there ministering to all these new believers in Antioch. And we read in verse 25, and Barnabas left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Well, we haven't heard of Saul since they sent him to Tarsus. He's going to go get him. And, and God's going to use him. And he does. Verse 26, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And from here, Paul is, I mean, from here on in the book of Acts, it, it, you know, we can see why it's the company of Jesus led by Peter and Paul. Because Paul is going to be such, such a central figure. But the point of it is seeing this. In Acts chapter 9, they send him away to Tarsus. In Acts chapter 11, Barnabas goes and gets him from Tarsus. Do you know how much time is in between those two events? And you may say, only two chapters. F.F. Bruce tells us, 10 years. 10 years. Some people think it's eight, you know, people who are smarter than me and trying to put together all the, the, the dates in Scripture. But... Uh, 10 years time that at least as far as Luke's story and Acts is concerned, Paul is unseen, right? Doesn't mean Paul's not being used of God where he is, but he's not at the center of where the church leaders are, right? At this time and in this period. He even tells us again, Galatians chapter 1, you know, in that passage, he even says to us there, here's where I was in verse 21. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, up there, which is, you know, where the Damascus area, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. More than 10 years after he saved if you were in some of the churches of Jerusalem and Antioch and you're saying, have you ever seen Paul? No, I never seen him. I heard that he got saved you know, a while back. In other words, he's out of sight. God has chosen to do that. And to me, it's that third glimpse, right? Closeness with Jesus, fellowship with other believers, but what? Daily surrender to God's plan. 
Lord, whatever you have for me, right? Saul was known by every important Jewish leader as a Pharisee. But now, what does he tell us? A lot of the Christians don't even know who I am. When I was a kid, I have a very strong memory of a particular night. It was, I I think the ladies must have been having a shower. I didn't know a lot about that at the time. I only knew it was the uncles were playing cards you know, the uncles, my dad being one of them. So my dad and my uncles, we were gathered at somebody's place. They were all playing cards. I just know I was on it. I was on my game that night. I had my uncles laughing, my cousins laughing. Where, you, know, where, where, you know, I don't remember if you're saying, I don't remember all the details. I remember one. I remember the sense of, of frustration when my dad pulled me off the stage. Now, there wasn't a real stage there. But I remember my dad saying to me, Vincent, sit down right here on the floor next to me. What? What did I do wrong, Dad? Nothing. Sit down on the floor next to me. What? What do you mean, Dad? What, just sit here. What did I do? Nothing. You've been in the center of attention long enough. Sit here. And I can remember him telling me years later, I, I, you needed to be able to deal with that incredible frustration that other people were were getting all the attention and you were having to just sit unseen by my side. And I thank you for it. It was, was, he knew what what some of the things I needed for to be molded, right? What, what What does God do with Saul? You've been so, you've been a Pharisee of Pharisees. Everybody knows who you are. You are going to be the most popular Christian speaker ever on the circuit. Go sit Go over here where nobody knows who you are for 10 years. Again, God was using him, but he's unseen in that regard. Lord, whatever you would have. See, that's the third ingredient, daily surrender. Jesus speaks about it, and, and you know, in Luke chapter 14, these are not passages of Scripture that, you know, those who hold to the prosperity gospel that you, you come to Jesus and you promise to give $1,000 to their ministry and you'll get the new job and you'll be healed and uh, your, your marriage will be restored and everything's gonna work just perfect. They don't read this passage usually during their crusades, right? Jesus says what in Luke 14, verse 25, now great multitudes were going along with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Those are words that are hard for an American mind to understand because how could I ever hate my parents, right? And he's not talking about not loving your parents. You're supposed to love your parents, right? Love one another. He's talking about choosing to place his call on your life as the greatest priority in your life. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So it's all about me working hard for Jesus? No, it's him working through you, him carrying you all along. As we sang, all my life you have been faithful. He doesn't sing that to me, by the way. I've never heard God say, Vince, all my life you have been faithful, because it's not true. But it is true about him. Verse 28, for which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. 
right? Think it through. Count the costs. I may say to Greta, hey, would you make this delicious meal for me? And she'll say, okay, but uh, you're gonna need to go to the store because I need this and this and this. Count the cost. Do you want the meal? Because it means you need to go to the store and we need more of this and more of this. Jesus says, that's part of discipleship. Be together with one another. Be alone with me, but daily remembering it's my plan. It's my plan. Listen, we just have to do it sometimes, folks. We need to shut down the noise. There just has to be times where you are not listening to what someone else is telling you how to think and where you are sitting with Jesus alone and listening to him, right? There, 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 you have to value what we have together in the body of Christ. I, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, well, you, well, God isn't stuck in the church, and I say, absolutely he's not. I, I've met him sitting by a tr- dumpsters by the Delaware River, right? He's there. But they'll often say, so I don't go to church. My church is, I I go fishing on Sunday mornings and it's me and Jesus out on the ocean. I say, that's great that you're alone with Jesus. But you're missing the other part. You have to be surrounded by believers. We have to come together and, and impact each other like you're doing. And we need to be able to surrender, to surrender. That's what Jesus has been doing for now for 2,000 years. Hey, I got good news. The church isn't going away until Jesus takes his church to be with him. He is building his church. And as he's putting us in the cart, he wants us to be growing in it. And the church of Peter and Paul has become the church of Peter and Paul and Emmanuel. And there's others he's going to be adding, and we want to keep growing together. Let's bow before him. Father, we need you because we need you to give us moments in our lives where we can just sit with you alone. I pray for each one in this listening area here or or online. There may be some who genuinely feel there is no time in their life to sit alone quietly with you and and your word. I just pray you would show them that time. That they would be able to find those moments to be alone with you. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for the interaction we can have with one another, for the encouragement of just knowing we gathered together with others today. We look around and we feel your strength in the, in the lives of others around us. Lord, help us to surrender to your plan. It is not easy, and it is daily. So we ask you to help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, who paid the price for our eternal salvation, we pray. Amen.